0: Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey everybody, welcome back to Where Brains Meet Beauty. I am sitting next to Mabel Lee. She is the founder of Valora Lashes. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So you just told us this is
0: your first podcast recording yes. ever. <laughs>
1: That's so exciting. Yeah, I'm very nervous for it. Um, I don't usually do interviews, especially podcasts. Um, So I'm excited for it to learn how it all works. Um, But for me, I just, I've never really put myself out there as a founder.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you should, because your story is so incredible and we'll get to it today. So tell me where the nerves and the fear come from.
1: I think for me, I've always envisioned running my business behind the scenes. And I've done that so well. So like you said earlier, when we first had a chat, um, I'm the type of founder that once I'm done my work, I go home and I do a bit more work, but I, I'm such a homebody. So being the face of Valor has always scared me. And that's something that I've tried to avoid for the past seven years since valor started. Um, and I, I really do like enjoying my private life. Um, and so the interviews, uh, putting the brand out there as well as my story um, is something that I kind of avoid, but now it's something I'm trying to get into um, because I know it's necessary to grow the brand, and it's a great story, like you said.
0: Right, so um, I've heard this from a lot of founders, you know, in my day job at the agency, we um, have to coach founders who are reluctant to be, you know, essentially the stars of the show, um, to say like, this is a climate in the marketplace right now where people are really responding to founders. Totally. So by staying behind the scenes, you're basically saying, no, I don't want to grow.
1: Exactly. That's totally And My whole team, um, they're amazing, and they always encourage me. They're like, you have such an amazing story. You're such an inspiring woman, uh, CEO. And they tell me it's so necessary to just get out there to empower women to even tell the story, not just to grow the brand itself, um, but it's really getting our story up there.
0: Right. So the more vulnerable you are, the more open people who meet you are going to be. It really does have this sort of, like, osmosis effect. For sure. Um, But, you know, I told you, like, I don't. I, I'm, I'm such a wallflower like I really um, I don't want to be in the thick of it all I want to yeah. watch it and be an observer to it I feel like I'm like a beauty anthropologist in many ways yeah but my team too said Jody, like this these stories are really important and your point of view is really important so um, you know I had to take a deep breath and do it yeah. but every time I go to like an event and like have to meet <laughs> new people I literally have to I take know. a deep breath <laughs> to myself and talk to myself in my head like Go ahead, you can do
1: it. It's like a full day preparation for me. (laughs) It's like I have to mentally get into the game. And then even when I'm there, it's really like, I I think for us women, we also get in our own heads a lot. um, And we overthink things. um, So I'm starting to try to really just live in the moment. um, And for me, what I've been doing lately is doing things that make me get out of my comfort zone. And I've actually learned a lot. This is one of them, um, just forcing myself to do it because... I, I think the rewards are fully there.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think that there's something about um, dignity building when you face new challenges, right? So if if we didn't face this challenge of like having to be in front of people and be vulnerable, um, we wouldn't have had the opportunity to yeah. build up more dignity and the sense of pride. Um, when we stay in our comfort zone, we're, we're missing out on that like fuel and energy that totally. I think building dignity brings.
1: And and as an entrepreneur. One of my missions always is to continuously learn. Um, And if you don't get out of your comfort zone, you won't learn anything new. Um, And at that point, I feel like that's not being successful at all. Uh, So for me, it's really trying to get as much information and learning as much as possible.
0: Um, you just touched on something that I think about often, which is like the definition of success, yeah. right? Like a lot yeah. of people around us might dis- determine that success equals money, right? Um, <sighs> but I've started to realize,
1: and I mean, I've, it's taken me a long time to realize that yeah. success is not about money. It's not, It's, and I, it's, is seven years old now, um, and I think the past year and a half, that's exactly what I've been, I've, I'm starting to realize. It's not the money. Uh, for me, it's building up my team. Uh, making them better. And I've always told them, like, my purpose and my mission is really to build um, internally a culture where anyone that comes through Valor, if they ever were to leave me, leaves better. You know, um, that's something that I think is successful, making other people uh, grow as human beings, um, whether that's professionally or personally. Um, that I, That's what I define as success. Um, you know, when I first started, it was always like, oh, I want to hit um, this milestone at Valor, I want to make this much money. Uh, once you hit that, you're kind of like, okay, What's next? And I'm sure you've asked yourself that so many times. And I feel like I'm at that point where it's just like, okay, once you get the money, it really doesn't really mean much if you're not working with people you love. You know, you're not building and developing people. So I fully define success very differently now than when I first started.
0: I think there's such a great pressure around us though to determine that success is equal to selling your company for a billion dollars or whatever it is. And um, those things happen but they're incredibly rare, right? So most of us as entrepreneurs are Building the business in a way where we're like we can pay the overhead and not sweat it, right? right? Like cover our costs and have some extra money, right? Um, bonus people out or you know whatever. Like these yeah. kind of small milestones yeah. are really more true to the entrepreneurial experience in this industry and I'm sure many others totally. than the reality of selling the business for a billion dollars.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's not really our. Um, we get asked quite a lot. It's like, would you sell in the next year or two? And that's not my mission at all. We, I think we have a product that's really empowering women and it's making women feel confident every day um, and that is what makes me tick every day uh, we do trade shows and we do lash applications every time we go out to do trade shows and the reaction we get when women look at themselves in the mirror for the first time wearing lashes that's why i, I do what i do um i love that part of my job um and it's not the mission isn't really to sell the business anytime soon right. this so is so much fun
0: let's talk about this passion for lashes yeah. um you told me that it started in college yes how did this happen?
1: So I uh, went to University of Toronto, I'm Canadian, very proud Canadian. Um, and while I was in school, I wore lashes every day. So lashes was like my foundation or lipstick for most women. Um, I didn't need anything else but lashes because it, for me being Asian, it really helped open up my eyes and that was really my, my confidence piece. Um, and so I wore it every day, um, I was also very studious and so I was in school. 12 hours a day. If it's not in class, I was studying. Um, and so back then, seven years ago, there was nothing out in the market that allowed me to wear it all day long because by the, like the fifth hour, I'm like ready to peel them off. Kind of like a bra. You just right. want to go home and because you take it, it off. Because they
0: get like itchy or sticky. They're just
1: uncomfortable mm-hmm. because they're so heavy and they're mm-hmm. plastic. So the drugstore ones that you would get, um, they just didn't sit well on my eyes. Um, and because my eyes are a bit smaller, I felt that it couldn't handle that kind of weight mm-hmm. um, or that discomfort. So basically, you know, I was like, I, I, I wish I could create my own lash to fulfill my needs um, in the lash space.
0: So can, let me just hit pause here, because when I was in college, I was like basically wearing <laughs> PJs to classes, right? Like I wasn't yeah. at all focused <laughs> on... Um, my beauty routine, so this was a conscious decision. You are like, I'm going to wake up 20 minutes early in the morning than I need to because lashes are that important to me.
1: Yeah, well, the lashes don't take me 20 minutes. Lashes is like contact lenses for me. It really was just part of my beauty routine. I didn't feel like it was a chore in the morning or anything like that. Um, But I've always, even at a very young age, even in high school, like, I always – put my best foot forward, it didn't, it wasn't for anyone specific, it was just, it made me feel better. It made me feel more organized. It made me feel more ready for the day to take on whatever I was going to take, whether that was an exam or a presentation, for example. Um, So I, that was always my habit. So it was part of my everyday beauty routine to wake up, spend that extra five minutes to get ready to do your hair and get dressed.
0: Okay. So your mission then, I guess, or your goal um, as a company and like in a broad sense is to educate people like me into thinking that lashes is really just like putting in your lenses. Yeah. We're
1: really teeth. trying to make a big word at Velour is approachable. We're trying to make any product we launch approachable to the regular woman or customer. Um, and so recently we launched the Effortless collection in collaboration with Sephora, um, and that was mainly to do that. So every time we spoke to women, they say they want beautiful, long, thick lashes, um, but you know, extensions isn't the right route to go because it's too damaging for their lashes, for example. And then they said false lashes would too difficult to apply. I hear that all the time, and for me, it was like, no, it takes only 10 seconds every day. And so we asked them, we asked most women, why do you think it's difficult? And they said they don't know how to measure the lashes, they don't know how much to trim, Um, and so we actually created a collection where you don't have to measure, you don't have to trim, it's actually a shorter band, and so you just glue and you pop them on. Mm -hmm. Super easy, you don't have to really think about it, Um, and that's been a huge, actually our best collection to date.
0: Right, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay, so back to college, I'm sitting next to you in my PJ pants. You're sitting next to me with your, your yeah. lash look done. Um, what did it take for you to convert these drugstore lashes into lashes you wanted to wear? Or was
1: it even possible? There, it really wasn't. So on the weekends, my best friends and I, so Velour is actually made up of three best friends in total. So it's me, um, Angela, and then George. Uh, so all of us went to school together at University of Toronto. And on one of the weekends, I was just like, guys, like I'm so over these lashes. I need to make my own. And we started figuring out. Angela was just like, do you think it's the material? And so I was like, you know what, I actually think it's because the plastic was so stiff it didn't feel good on the eyes. And so we actually started sourcing different hairs. And what I said was, man, I wish we could make lashes with real hair because it was light um, and it was finer. And then we started sourcing. We actually came across the mink material, uh, making sure it was cruelty-free. We actually started making our own in the bedroom. Um, Started literally using a cotton thread band. We placed individual pieces of hair to create our own lashes, and we just literally put them on our eyes, and it looked incredible. It literally looked like your own lashes, but thicker.
0: Wait, so you and your two friends sat together and decided, let's explore this. But this is, like, beyond just talking about it. Like, you're really actually, like, picking up the phone, making, you know, It was a hobby, yeah.
1: It was more so, like, I need better lashes, and it, it was really a hobby. It wasn't anything, like, we didn't have a name for it. We didn't have a logo. We didn't have a business or anything. It was really, like let's just try to make our own lashes for fun. Um, And so we actually started making our own and we were like, this is something very unique. We saw someone that was able to make it for us on a much larger level. And uh-huh. so we created 11 different styles to start. As and, a hobby. As a hobby. Uh-huh. And for me, I was like, okay, I want a style for this event, and then for this occasion, and then one for every day, for example. Um, so 11 was actually a, a very small range compared to what we have now. Um, and so we did that. Angela used it every day, I used it every day, and at one point we were like, you know what, Let's just try to sell this online. So a friend made the logo as well as the packaging. So it was the old purple packaging um, that most people know us for. Uh, and we launched the business in June 2011. And you know, I was still Were you working still in my school. P- I I graduated okay. at that point, and then immediately upon graduation, um, I got an offer to work in, in at the Canadian Pension Plan Investment Board. So I was doing capital markets. Um, so in finance, completely different role. Um, and I ran basically Valor have to work. So I was working 9 to 6 every day at PPIB, and then basically once I got home, I would work on velour. Um, and then even on the weekends, we would travel to do trade shows. And at the trade shows, that's where we really caught a break by um, making relationships with celebrity makeup artists. Um, so our first one was actually Wei Lang, which was Beyonce's makeup artist. And so we caught a really, really big break, I think fir- within the first eight months of launch, we got blasted on social media. So people were like, what? What is is Valour Lashes? How are they selling a pair of lashes for $30 when drugstore lashes should be $5? And so we got a lot of buzz. And then the next tweet we saw was, why does Beyonce use velour lashes? What's velour lashes? And I had no idea this article was launching. And then we Googled it and People Magazine actually released an article headlining Beyonce buys velour lashes by the ton. And overnight we just kind of blew up as a brand. Um, And then our our amazing influencers have really helped us go global. So
0: let's go back. You are working a full-time job on the weekends. You're working the trade show circuit, building mm. relationships. Mm. Um, but it doesn't sound like you set out to go to the trade shows and say, like, we want to make relationships with celebrity no. makeup artists. Let's track them. Let's figure out how to no, make
1: No, not at all. Um, funny story was one time we did a New York trade show. We had our booth there, um, and again, it was just to learn to sell and learn to, you know, see what people think about our product. Um, it was, for me, I thought it was like a farmer's market kind of concept, but it was really an international makeup artist trade show. So there were pretty legit people, but I don't come from a beauty background, so I don't know who's who. Um, so this was, I think, six years ago. Pat McGrath comes by. Um, I don't know who Pat McGrath is. So she comes by and she has an assistant and she's like, I want this, this, and this. I was like, oh my gosh, she bought like 10 lashes. Great, fully charged her for it. Um, The assistant pays. And then the booth beside me like taps me on my shoulder, taps me on my shoulder, and was like, "How dare you charge Pat McGrath?" And I'm like, "Who is Pat McGrath?" I don't know. Like she's like, "That's like one of the best makeup artists, the most like well-known makeup artists in the world, and you just charged her for ten pairs of your lashes." And I was like, "Well, I needed the money. Like I'm growing my business. I'm still in debt. Like I needed the money." Um, and so we've really grown organically. That I've learned so much now. Now if I saw Pat McGrath, I'd scream. Um, but back then, I really had no idea who was who.
0: Right. Well, I mean does 't that just speak to the product that you know yeah. people who can get anything for free are willing to pay for it
1: Yeah exactly um, and it also says like we really built the business out of passion and like we really just wanted to get the product out there We weren't planning to do any sort of um, marketing like I said we weren't looking for celebrity makeup artists or anything like that while we were there
0: right okay so um, before you told me that you wanted to make the lashes out of real
1: hair yeah um, what is that? So we were thinking, like, like, the whole concept started when I was like, okay, I wish I could literally take my own hair and put it onto my eyes. Um, and so we're like, oh, wait, maybe the key is real hair, some sort of real hair. So we started sourcing horse hair, you know, hair, like human hair, and then we ended up with mink hair. So all of the hairs that we were testing was real hair. Um, and so mink was actually the closest and, and the finest to what natural lashes look like.
0: Right, so but you, I think you told me that the brand is cruelty free, so how do you use Mm -hmm. link and be cruelty free at the same
1: time? That's a great question. So the mink hair actually comes from free range zoos. A lot of people actually think that the hair is actually through, um, Skinning or killing animals, we don't do that at all. It's actually naturally shedded hair. So mink farms usually have two shedding seasons, one in the spring and one in the fall. So we just collect that recycled, naturally shedded hair, and reuse those.
0: So the animals are just wandering around doing their Mm -hmm. thing, and then the workers collect the hair that falls and clean it and then sell it to you. Yes. Got it. So um, I didn't even know that this exists.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. And then with Sephora, um, the collection that we launch is fully synthetic. So in the Sephora collection, which is what we call the silk collection, that um, is actually made out of a synthetic material, mm-hmm. not mink hair.
0: And how does it compare to the mink, the synthetic?
1: The synthetic is a bit shinier, but we've come such a long way uh, with developing a synthetic that mimics the mink hair. Um, People love the mink hair, but for us, you know, and with Sephora, we really want to develop a very unique line. Um, And so the only difference, I think, is it's slightly shinier Mm -hmm. because we really couldn't have that same effect of the look.
0: Right, right. So so fascinating to be using an animal-derived product but be Mm -hmm. Mm cruelty-free, right? Um, so I, I bet you get a lot of questions about that from people on
1: social. We did actually from the, at the beginning of the business we did, but we were so honest and we've been so transparent with our processes that now we actually never get that question. Um, and because the silk collection so far has grown so much, a lot of our consumer ad, consumers are actually moving towards the silk.
0: Right. So when we talked um, the first time, you said to me, and this is a quote: has put me in the right headspace." Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you?
1: I just feel like my look is complete, you know, and it makes me ready to go. Like, that's really, like, when I say best foot forward, that's how I feel when I have my lashes on. Um, I just don't feel complete without them. Um, Most women say, you know, they need their brows to go out. They need, you know, foundation. For me, truly, it's my lashes. Like, it just completes me. So are you going to the gym in your lashes?
0: Yeah. And um, going to the food store in your lashes?
1: Yeah. Like, it's part of my everyday routine, so I wake up, and most of the time, by the time I get home, it's... I don't go back out. So, for example, if I wake up, I put my lashes on, I go to work, and then I go work out after work, I don't take them off or anything. So right. it's part of my,
0: yeah. And you don't have, like, sweaty
1: lashes sticking to your cheek or something? <laughs> no, out. no. They stay on all day. Our glue is actually really good, so it stays on all day. Just don't go swimming in them. <laughs>
0: okay. So yeah. what would you do when you go swimming?
1: i take them off. Yeah. They're not waterproof or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, so uh, we definitely don't suggest, like, soaking your, la- uh, your face with water when right. you have lashes on.
0: And is that um, a consumer
1: desire to be able to swim in their, their lashes? I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't think that's a big request from our consumers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe as we get even more selfie obsessed, um, that will be your
1: request of the <laughs> a request. Maybe. For crazy. Good. I don't know if that would be a good look though with wet lashes. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so you know, you're an entrepreneur based in Canada. You're here in New York today. How are you going to be spending your time?
1: I actually just flew in for this podcast. Oh, cool. yeah. So I'm leaving Yay. right after this. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm so. This whole year, it's all about the yes and like doing everything that makes me feel out of my comfort zone. Um, so, yeah, today I just forced myself to get on a plane, do my podcast, and I'm going to head home to my dog. That's awesome. My fiancé.
0: Um, I'm really proud of you. It's hard. You. Right?
1: It is. It's, it's, it's scary. It's very scary.
0: So you have a dog at home and a fiancé, you said? Yes. Does a dog come to work with you?
1: Yeah, every day. Um, he's like my my therapy every day. You know, being an entrepreneur, I'm sure you understand, it, it's extremely stressful. Um, you know, you develop anxiety a lot because you're worrying about your team all the time. Um, and then also the growth of the business. Uh, that's one thing that I've dealt with a lot, and Big Al has been such a huge therapy for me. Big Al? Yeah, Big Al. <laughs> that's his name. He's a big dog. So I was like, oh, the great, a great name would be Big Al for him.
0: So, um, you know, you mentioned the stress and anxiety that comes with running a business. For me, I think that the biggest, like, challenge for me to still overcome, because I really have been unraveling many of my Mm -hmm. challenges, is the sense of financial insecurity. Like, even when things are good, it's always in the back of my head, like, what's it going to be like in six months? Will we have enough in the bank to, you know, Mm -hmm. meet our overhead? Where's that next client coming from, right? It's it's sort of always stuck on me, even though it's, like, shrinking. and shrinks, I'd say, like, every six months that that insecurity shrinks, but it's still with me. Like, what is that one thing that you'd love to shake to be able to grow out of worrying about?
1: For me, it's not so much the financial part I get worried about. I think... I am the type that like, when I achieve something, I always strive for what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got to the point where really, my life is velour um, and I didn't have balance. Uh, that was one thing that really hit me so for I just came back from my um, bachelorette trip. We went to Morocco and my girlfriends took away my laptop um, and wouldn't allow me to work. The past seven years, I've never done that. And. It, I'm not kidding you, I, I legit had a panic attack because I wasn't used to that. And immediately when I saw that happen, I was like, Mabel, there's something wrong. Like you cannot make Valora fully your life. You need to learn to build relationships outside of work. Um, you need to do things that you love outside of work. And I didn't allow myself to do that because I, I literally put the whole the the burden of Valora all on me. Um and I was just worrying about everything and I just didn't have and I still don't right now have that balance in my life and that is what keeps me up at night. Um, being able to be a well-rounded individual, not just an entrepreneur, that was really something that you know I, I battle with a lot because when I'm into something, I'm 100% into it and I don't focus on anything else and this is something where I, I'm working really hard to fix. Um, I think a, a lot of entrepreneurs, as they grow their business, it becomes lonelier and lonelier mm-hmm. at the top mm-hmm. um, and so I don't wanna be that way. Right. Uh, so yeah, that I think that's been my biggest struggle that I, I wish I could shake, I wish I could be that entrepreneur that has it all, really, like where I have that balance in life.
0: Right, so I mean what you're describing I think is pretty common, especially, I mean you started your business so young, right? Yeah. So like for me when I was right out of college, Work was my life. I made my friendships at work. I'd go out after work with my work friends, right? I mean, not that I didn't have other friends, too. I did, but that was really, like, the catalyst for a lot of my post-work, you know, socializing. So um, work in many ways in my 20s was all-encompassing. It wasn't my company. I was just, you know, a cog in the wheel. But um, I don't think it's unusual to, like, dive into this. This is what you've been working for in college, right? This is what you've been waiting for. Um, But I do... um, understand the, the powers and the seduction of yeah. growing the business. And I think that's what you're responding to on your on your yeah. bachelorette trip, right? Like you didn't want to let go of the seduction yeah. of growing the business, right? And having access to all the information and being there for your team and being yeah. there for your customer. And it really is um, I I I think it's just such a powerful pull.
1: Yeah, right. it is like no one will understand it. Even when I was in Morocco, they they don't understand it. And I don't ever blame them for it, but it, it's hard, right? Like that's exactly you feel like you have everything, like the information. You want to help your team. You want to be there for your team. You want to be there for your suppliers and your vendors. And like being completely turned off for seven days killed me. It was like the hardest thing ever for me. Um, and. Yeah, it is so that powerful where you literally go into panic when you you have like when you, someone takes it away from you. Right. Um but it's it's also the, that's what drives that growth and that passion and that's why I work every day like I, I used to work in finance and after work, you're able to go and hang out with your, you know, with your colleagues mm-hmm. and you for, you turn off. You can truly turn mm-hmm. off. But for me now, it's work nine to six in the office. And when I come home, I work till midnight. Right. There's really no time to say, OK, after work, I'm going to go hang out with friends. Um, so I think that's what. I'm working on now is figuring out that balance, because I do believe we can all ha- we can have it all.
0: Right, so what is your first step now that you you have awareness, right? Your eyes are open to yeah. really how all in you are, and that the, being all in might be too scary, right? Yeah. Um, what is the first step in trying to unravel this?
1: I'm starting to reach out to the people that really matter to me and s- put it into my calendar. After work, I'm gonna go have dinner, or I'm gonna go watch a movie with this person. Like, it's in my calendar. So back then, I just never made a priority to put it into my calendar. I just wanted to leave my evenings open to work which is a terrible way to like live your life so now I'm reaching out to the people you know closest to me the people I want to maintain relationships with and calling them say hey when I'm free for dinner let's do it and let's put it in the calendar so that's helped me a lot because now that's in my calendar I can't change it
0: right mm-hmm. yeah I think that's really wise mm-hmm. um the um just the mental state of saying I'm gonna make an effort. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you're talking about, right? You still, you loved your friends, even though do, but yeah. you weren't seeing them, right? But you have to make that extra special effort. There was a time, um, I mean, I think it's sort of similar when my kids were little. So I was an entrepreneur and I had little kids oh, and wow. I didn't make time for anything, Like right? I didn't do anything. Like yeah. I was felt so overwhelmed by the pressures to keep doing what I wanna do in business yeah. and the desire to spend a ton of time with them and be very hands-on. So I never, ever made a plan with a friend. Did I, you
1: feel fulfilled or happy at that point in your
0: life? No, it was total chaos. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. Um, because I was actually the opposite of you. I was trying to do it all, all at the same time. Yeah. Um, so I started my business r- just like a year before I had my first child. So wow. they kind of grew up together. My son's almost 11 and my business is 11. Wow. So um, I lived in a state of total chaos for many years because <laughs> in my insane. head I wasn't... I wasn't willing to say, I'm gonna have a babysitter with my kids. I just wanted to be I want yep. to be that like super yep. hands-on mom, but yet my business is not a hobby, like, it's a real business, like, how do I do both, and what ended up happening in this world of chaos is that I really ended up resenting both, right, like, I resented the work when it encroached on my kids, and I resented my kids when it encroached on my work, and I wasn't happy, um, I mean, I was happy enough, but I wasn't, like, joyful, yeah, no, something, you feel like something's just missing, right? Yeah, it's taken me a really long time, actually, to really, like, kind of, Draw, de- draw my vision of what life is like for me as an entrepreneur yeah. and a parent and a woman and a wife and yeah. a friend, right? So it keeps evolving. Um, But even just recently, I had this moment where I'm like, I just gave myself permission to enjoy my work more. And this has been like a big obstacle for me. I think that because I've always wanted to be this hands-on mom, and I didn't want to be that mom who was going to work at seven and not coming home until eight, like because I saw that earlier in my career. I'm like, I don't want to be that lady. I thought that if I work harder and love my work more, that I'm gonna become her.
1: Right, right. But I'm not
0: gonna become her. But I was so fearful of becoming that other person that I've seen in my life that I really put a wall up. And it added more res- yeah. layers of resentment and frustration. And when I, re- this is like literally three weeks ago, I said to myself, I want to enjoy my work more. I love my work. Let me have fun with my work. Yeah. All of a sudden, everything was easier. It, oh my god, it's, it's that's crazy! Like, it's I, crazy. So
1: I love Will Smith, and he said this one uh, quote that I like, I, I live by. He's like, the second you accept that life is hard, everything becomes easier. And and I really now tell myself, like, nothing's easy. Like, just accept it. And when things do become hard, it doesn't feel as hard. And that's that's exactly what, like, I, I feel as well. It's like just once you accept it and once you, you know, allow it, to happen it's e- it becomes easier
0: that's such an interesting thing that you say and i needed to hear it today because <laughs> for so many years and i don't know if you thought this like in the beginning of the b- building the business i assume that at some point at five years or six years or seven years all of a sudden it's gonna become easy
1: no <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's still hard yeah. like maybe some things are easier you know there was a time in my um, career with the agency where like I really didn't have a lot of money coming into the business. I like wasn't even spending yeah. money on like a, a cup of tea at the wow. coffee shop, right? Like I was like so minding my money because like yeah. there wasn't a lot of cash flow. Um, so that's easier now, right? Yeah. But it's still hard. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just like recognizing that not everything will be easy, um, and knowing that things are gonna be hard. That when you hit those hard points, it's not it's not mentally at least it doesn't feel as heavy on you.
0: Yes, I think that I. Have put so much pressure on myself yeah. to um, think that I have any sense of control over this, yeah. right? I don't. Like no. we just, I just need to stay in my lane, exactly. do what's what, what's right for me and my team, yeah. and then success, how I define it, will come. Yeah. But if I can just calm the f down, yeah. honestly,
1: <laughs> we struggle with that. I find <laughs> a lot of women that I speak to um, as CEOs and as entrepreneurs, like that's we just put so much pressure on ourselves. Well, that's what makes us amazing, but. I think we overdo it sometimes. Like, I am so guilty of that. I put so much pressure on myself, sometimes on my team as well, to always be better, to do better and not slack off, to hustle. Like, that's just how we are.
0: Yeah. I mean, the hustle is important, but what I've learned also is to um, celebrate the wins. Yes. Like, really sit with them for a few minutes, dance, yes. jump, light yeah. a candle on a cupcake, whatever it is, like, honor those
1: wins, because those are the things that are going to get you through the harder times. Yeah, the harder it makes times. such a big difference, and it's what makes you a family and a team, right, when you celebrate the wins together.
0: Well, I'm so proud of you, Mabel. I'm Thank so glad you. that you got out of your comfort zone today to come Thank and see you. us on the podcast and share your story. And I know that um, by being vulnerable, you're really opening the doors for so much learning Thank for you. our listeners, and yeah, I'm and really, I, really appreciative of it.
1: I really hope the story itself can, like, you know inspire women, you know, to go find a mentor and start a business if they want to, or do whatever, you know, they set their mind to. Um, I didn't have that. You know, in school, it it was just really like, hey, I'm just going to try it as a hobby, and I figured it out on my own, but if I had a mentor to inspire me, I think I would even be further than where I am today. Um, So, I hope that it does at least that. Well,
0: I'm excited to try the lashes, to have a day, you know, walking in your shoes with great lashes. (laughs) Thank you for your wisdom, and for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Mabel. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes and for updates about the show definitely follow us on Instagram at We're Brains Meet Beauty Podcast.
1: Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.